From WUFTFM, this is Animal Airwaves Live, our weekly hour-long show devoted to the discussion of the health and welfare of animals. And, well, it is that time of year to be thinking about school, and uh, which I mean things like college admissions and so on and so forth. And one of the things that maybe people are thinking about right about now is what they want to do after school, maybe veterinary school is in the picture. And to talk about that with me today, Dr. Ashley Allen Durance is with me. And we're going to be talking today about, this is another conversation in our series about how to get into veterinary school and, and what veterinary school entails. So let me welcome you to the program. I'm so glad that you could be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have you uh, listed as, uh, are you a veterinarian? Is that are you? Uh, yeah, I can give you a little bit of my background. Yeah, please do. Uh, and why I'm here today. So I, I am a veterinarian. Um, I graduated veterinary school in 2010. I went to Mississippi State University for vet school. I am a Floridian, so I went to UF for undergrad. And I'm a criticalist. So actually, I, I have been on this show before, uh, but it was mostly talking about emergency care and uh, neonatal medicine. So I have been at the University of Florida for this is my 13th year here. I was the service chief of the emergency and critical care service for about four years. And then I just have a passion for helping students. And so there was an opportunity to um, kind of pivot my career a little bit to be more directly involved with students and and helping them network uh, the path to be a veterinarian. So I'm currently the assistant dean of admissions and student success here at the University of Florida. That is fantastic. And it's an important role because pretty much Every student who's going to come through that school will have to go through the application process at some point, and to be able to have the ear, perhaps, or even you know the advice of someone who has done it already seems like it could be a big plus. Do you feel like that the experience of having done this yourself uh, gives you an advantage here when uh, kind of consulting with students who are considering this path? Yeah, I do. I do, and I think that I've. Um... I mean, my narrow path has been in small animal, but I have a, a background in large animal and I dabble in research. And so I feel like I kind of cross paths with um, people with a variety of interest. Well, let us kind of start at the beginning. I want to ask, and you'll be especially suited to answer this question since you've done it yourself. Mm-hmm. Veterinary school, right? It, this is school above and beyond college. It's sort of a, it's a graduate program, essentially. How long does veterinary school take? How many, how many how many years is this program? It's a four-year program at, at most places. There are some schools that are five-year programs um, that are kind of international schools, but most of this, the programs in the United States are four-year programs. And there are several veterinary schools in the United States, but not as many as one would think. I don't know the exact number. Do you Do you have an idea? Oh, man, there's there's a lot that are uh, kind of up and coming. I think the current count is around 33, maybe 35. Um, when I was in veterinary school, there were 28. So, And there's a few more that will be coming online soon. There is one in the state of Florida, correct? That's correct. <laughs> and that's the University of Florida. Okay, so uh, when one enrolls in a veterinary program, you're in it for a while. There are a whole number of different... Um, components to getting a degree in veterinary medicine. But let us rewind a little bit. Before veterinary school begins, let's talk about what somebody who has an interest in veterinary medicine, 
might need mm-hmm. to be thinking about. And this for this segment, we might be thinking about young people, like even quite young people, middle school or high school. It's never too early to start thinking about this, I imagine. What kinds of things might young people and their parents need to be thinking about if veterinary school is something that they hope for in the future? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, and I have a huge interest as well in K through 12 and trying to kind of encourage the process at, at that point, because I think it's important that if you want to go to veterinary school, that you have to be academically strong. Um, it's a fairly competitive process to get into veterinary school. And um, I think you can never start too early just getting exposure to what the profession is. There's tons of different avenues within the profession. It's not just being a small animal veterinarian, although there's a huge need for them. Um, So I think any opportunity to join your local 4-H or FSA or get experience um, in exotics and a zoo, any type of animal experience. And then I would also log those and keep track of them. Um, it's kind of, it's important to just, when you sit down to do your application, you don't want that moment to be trying to go back through the past eight years of your life and think of all the things that you've done that have been related to veterinary medicine. So I would try and gain experiences, um, keep good grades while you're in middle school, high school, and, um, try and organize what you have done. I mean, it can be just a Google spreadsheet, you know, just try and log them down so that you have a track record and kind of dates and times that you did certain experiences is helpful. I think we are always looking for people with leadership skills. So I think that that is low hanging fruit uh, while you're in middle school and high school is to try and put yourself out there and uh, kind of take some of those opportunities to be in a leadership position and develop leadership skills while you're at that level career, but that's that season of life. Um, it, and it doesn't have to be in the world of veterinary medicine. It can be in a photography club, something that gives you exposure on, on how to work within a team, uh, team building skills and, and leadership skills. Uh, it's so it's so good that you mentioned that because so much of the veterinary profession involves working with a team, working closely with others. And especially when the health of an animal is involved, being compatible uh, with others and being able to function within the context of sort of group work uh, is an essential thing. So that that makes sense that that'd be something that you're looking for. Um, leadership skills, sure. I mean, veterinarians might be, in many instances, if someone is working in a veterinary clinic somewhere in this country, maybe you're just one of one or two veterinarians that might work in a small office. So you'd need to be someone who can lead a group of people in many instances, right? So those seem like especially valuable skills to have. Now, the kinds of experiences that one might need to have working with animals at a young age might be somewhat limited by one's age. That is to say, Mm -hmm. you can't, if you're 13 years old, uh, you know, be an assistant at uh, many veterinary offices, I would suspect, just because you're, you're too young. Uh, but as you get older, there are going to be opportunities. You mentioned something like 4-H, and this is a wonderful opportunity. I mean, it's a sort of uh, organization in which young people do work closely with animals and in, uh, in agriculture. Uh, but for people who live in places like cities, 
Um, what are some other uh, alternatives? Um, maybe volunteering at local shelters would would that count as experience? Yeah, for sure. I think you're right about the the age part of it. Uh, however, I think that a lot of veterinarians out there like they they want to encourage people to join our our profession as well, and so. Um, it's not uncommon for veterinarians to allow shadowing. So um, I know I did that when I was 13. I shadowed in a clinic just to, it was an unpaid position. And I just, you know, went when I had time. Um, and I, I still commonly see that on applications now. So it takes a little bit of networking and just asking if that's an opportunity. I think um, shelters are also another great place and rescues to do some shadowing there. Um, or foster work or pet sitting, you know, even pet sitting is, a, is an experience. And so if you don't, don't forget to log those too, um, because that's still considered animal experience. Ah, great, great advice. And, and when you think about just about any community, any community is likely to have some sort of uh, animal shelter or some kind of, of fostering programs. Um, and again, there are veterinarians everywhere in the country where people live with animals. So um, look around and one might find those sorts of opportunities. So as one is, say, in the late stages of high school and trying to build up the required credits to graduate and the kind of uh, extracurricular activities that one needs in order to get into a good school, does it matter too much whether or not one has focused very heavily in, say, science in high school, or is that less relevant when it comes to a graduate program like veterinary school, which is going to come years later? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that, I mean, I would encourage people to explore their interests and, and not think that they have to go one way just because they're, they think they're going to apply for vet school in eight years, because I think that... Um, you take opportunities and then you might find something else out about yourself, right? And I think that we're always looking for people that um, can have broad interest. And so I think science is, is important. Um, and the your GPA and science courses when you are in undergrad um, are, are important when you're applying for veterinary school. So I think having a, a solid background in science is important, but I, I wouldn't want somebody to not explore another interest and and go down that path if they have other interests that that they want to explore, because that's the time to do it, right? Yeah, certainly. Now, I want to ask something related to people of high school age, and, and this is the sort of season in which many people are getting their acceptance letters. Does it matter too much where one attended college or university when it comes to getting into veterinary school? That is to say, as somebody who went to an Ivy League school as an undergrad, more likely to get into a veterinary school than a solid student at any old state university anywhere? I don't think so. I mean, I can only speak for our admissions process, so I'm not entirely sure how how it is across the country. But I I think that it it doesn't make you any more likely to, to get in based on where you went to school at. I think that what makes you more likely to get in are um, a well-rounded packet and, and good grades and um, evidence that you have kind of, I hate to call them soft skills, but good communication skills, leadership skills, team building skills, and you have documented that within your packet. 
you uh, mentioned keeping sort of track of things, even from a younger age, and you mentioned maybe making a spreadsheet or something like that. Obviously, someone is going to want to be able to put on an application to veterinary school the different experiences that one has. And for those who have kept careful <laughs> records uh, and maybe can supply references and so forth, that's going to be that's going to be a real benefit. And, and you say it's best not to be trying to search for those <laughs> when you're filling out your application for veterinary school. It's best to ha- kind of have those around. But as one kind of proceeds through uh, high school and is uh, getting these experiences and, and keeping track of all of this, is there is there like a set amount that one needs to have, right? Uh, because many high many high schoolers uh, are are almost overbooked these days. That is to say, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're the ones who are likely to get into university and then graduate programs beyond that are already in some ways high achievers, right? They may do some sort of sport in high school. They may do other kinds of extracurricular activities. Perhaps they play an instrument and practice for the band or who knows what else. Maybe they do art. Uh, There can be a lot of different things pulling at kids and demanding their time. Uh, mm-hmm. If one person is applying who has had almost exclusively volunteer experience with animals, and another person who has some but less, but also has you know uh, been the drum major in the band or has been a captain on a softball team or something like that, uh, are are those sort of going to balance out when it comes to looking good on an application for veterinary school? Yeah, 100%. I wouldn't discredit anything that you just said. I think that somebody that um, is a captain of a sports team or even just plays a sport, that's a valuable piece of who they are that says, I can work within a team, right? Um, Because you need to be able to lead a team and you need to be able to follow a leader as a veterinarian. You have to kind of do both. And so whether or not you were in a leadership position or not, that's still a valuable piece of who you are as an applicant. Do you recall when you were in high school, the sorts of things that you had done that you were later able to put on to an application to veterinary school? Yeah. um, I I grew up on a farm, so I had a lot of kind of farm animal experience um, that I was able to put on there just because of the nature of my my background. Um, I also volunteered, they used to call us candy stripers, but a volunteer in a human hospital um, where I would kind of go around and make sure people had water and and clean blankets and things like that. And so I put that on there. I worked two jobs when I was in high school. And I think that paid employment is is a valuable piece of who you are as well. Um, Even like don't discredit when you were a server at a restaurant or a dishwasher at a restaurant at any point in your life, like those things are also important. So I put my paid employment experience on there. Um, And then I was very active in um, FFA and 4-H. So I put those on there as well from my high school years. Uh, Just out of curiosity, what is FSA? Uh, Future Farmers of America. It's Uh it's kind of like 4-H, but it's um, through the um, school. Ah, I got you. And mm-hmm. you already had been, I guess, kind of living that life. Did you have responsibilities on the farm uh, just that were like kind of assigned to you by, I don't know, your parents or someone else uh, in terms of caring for animals? 
Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they, they, it doesn't matter if you're sick or not. They all need to eat every day and pens need to be cleaned. And I showed a lot of cows and you had to make sure that you practice them with them every day because you only have so much time to kind of train them and um, do what you need to do before showtime. And so I think that was a, a huge part of my, my work ethic, if I'm being honest. <laughs> when a young person who maybe has a hope of being a veterinarian at some point in the future uh, is considering that career, is it necessary to think about a specific focus beyond veterinary school? That is to say that many veterinarians specialize in something. When does mm-hmm. one need to think about that? Is it as early as high school or undergrad? I don't, I think my answer to that is is no. I think that you, if you tunnel vision yourself into one thing you think you're going to do, then I think you might miss other opportunities that you may have been interested in. Um like I'm a specialist, so I, I ended up specializing in emergency and critical care, but I didn't really decide that until I was an intern. Um, and so that was after I had finished veterinary school and I was doing an internship program in small animal. There's it uh, These days, I mean, people come into veterinary school, students do, and they know that they want to be a surgeon. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I think that surgical residencies are very competitive. So there's some kind of, tick, you know, some things that you can do while you're in vet school to make it to kind of help you get there. So I don't I don't think it's wrong if you know, but I don't want anybody to think that you have to feel pressured to know what you're going to do before you get to vet school. The purpose is to explore the profession, find, I mean, everyone thinks of a veterinarian sometimes as the person that you take your dog or cat to, but there's so many other parts of the profession that um, people might develop an interest for when they, when they get into school. All right, this is great, great uh, advice. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we've got a lot more of our conversation about how to get into veterinary school, and it's a great episode here for young people to listen to, so uh, stay tuned. My guest today is Dr. Ashley Allen Durance from the UF School of Veterinary Medicine, and we'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Animal Airwaves Live here on WUFT-FM. I'm Dana Hill. My guest today from the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine is Dr. Ashley Allen Durance. And we're talking about not just how to get into veterinary school, but we're kind of getting some good advice for young people. And in the first half of the program, we were or first third of the program, we were talking about young people, maybe teenagers, folks who are not yet at the university level, but are showing an interest and maybe hope one day to be veterinarians. Well, now, if we can, doctor, I want to talk about folks who have reached college or university and are pretty sure that the future for them involves being a veterinarian. Now, this is where your decision-making processes are going to come into play and you need to be kind of making smart moves because once you're in the university, all this stuff becomes part of your application to graduate school. Now, certainly there are non-traditional students, and I definitely want to talk about them in this program as well. But when we're talking about undergrads, the work 
uh, that people do in their undergraduate program obviously involves a lot of general education sort of courses, right, that everybody needs to take, whether that's English or math or a foreign language. But it also involves many electives. What kinds of things might undergrads be thinking about in order to make themselves attractive candidates to veterinary school? Mm, that's a good question. Um I think if there's any opportunities, and I didn't do this when I was an undergrad, but if I could go back, uh, I think if there's any opportunities to uh, take coursework on um, kind of like research project design or an opportunity to do the course and then also be involved with a research project, uh, because those types of courses exist out there, that would be um, something that I would consider. I I think, again, I, like I would... Also, use your elective time to explore your interest. Um, and so I don't, I think that the science and math prerequisites, there's probably already enough of those. Um, so to add anything else on there that's that heavy um, might put you back, right, if you don't do as well that semester because you tried to take too many really hard courses at the same time. So give yourself a little grace and a little flexibility and take a course that you're just interested in. I think that's okay. Um, and if there's any opportunity to get involved with a research project, that would look uh, really good on an application. Yeah, okay. I mean, does it need to be any particular topic, any particular subject? I don't think so. I mean, I think just having experience in um, a hypothesis-driven question and approach um, from a science perspective would be valuable. So it doesn't have to be within any certain area. Yeah. Uh, and does one need to focus more on, say, biological sciences for, instead of, say, earth sciences? Uh, I think there's, I think, I mean, our world is mostly within biological sciences. So I think that that isn't, if you're interested in that area and passionate about it, then I think go with it. Um, but if you have an interest in um, something else, again, in the science-related realm, I think there is value in that too. Yeah. Uh, do you recall uh, the kind of coursework that you did? Oh, man, that was a long time ago. I So I did a, my undergrad was in animal sciences. And so I did all the prereqs that I needed to do. And then beyond that, most of my courses for my degree were related to kind of food animal medicine and agricultural type topics. Yeah. Yeah. And for folks in their undergrad, I mean, it, it can be, look, it can be a, a pretty hard time uh being an undergrad, and many people experience all kinds of changes in their in their ideas of maybe what they want for their future. But am I am I not terribly off here when I think that many people who go into veterinary medicine have had that as their career career goal from their sort of youngest childhood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, yeah, I think a lot of people know that that's what they want to do from from an early age. Not everybody, but but a lot of people do. And, and so it does it does it look bad for an applicant who maybe change majors halfway through or something to that effect? Mm, I don't I don't think so and I don't think that I think it shows that you're a different person. Like go one of my residents, so I train residents in emergency and critical care and she 
um, double majored and one of her majors was in creative writing. And uh, I mean, that's very unique about her. And there's there's skills that you may have learned in that major that can help you in the profession. The I'm going to circle back because I just thought of uh, something else when you asked me other elective courses. I think um, other things that would help you in the profession long term, if you have any room to add anything into your coursework, would be um, business management type courses, if those mm -hmm. are available to you. Mm -hmm. uh, might be something to think about taking while you're an undergrad, because we do have some business management like things within our curriculum, but I think it's never too early to get a head start on, on business management, marketing, um, public speaking. I took a public speaking course in my undergrad career and I, it, I have, I use it to this day. So um, kind of those things that you don't necessarily think of when you think veterinarian, but things that will help you out in the profession. Oh, for sure. I think of communication as being one of the most essential skills that any veterinarian mm. can have. And uh, anything someone can do to enhance one's communication abilities will only help in daily life as a veterinarian. I'm not a veterinarian, but I, I've just surmised that from my uh, many conversations with veterinarians. I probably talk to more veterinarians than most people. And I think, too, uh, <laughs> that in my experience in a veterinary office with a pet has only been improved when I've been with veterinarians who are excellent communicators. So that, I think, is a great skill. I mean, and that's something that I imagine that in looking through applications for veterinarians or want, want, you know, veterinarians to be, that you are not quite able to discern from, from just what's written on a page. And this is where I think other components of the application process come into play because there is an interview, correct? Yes. So how so how it works is that um, when you're ready to apply for veterinary school, and that's either when you have finished all of your prereqs or you know that you'll be finishing them within like the spring semester before the fall semester that you would start vet school. So some of our um, candidates that were accepted this year, they are accepted, but they still need to send us proof that they uh, passed their their last you know required coursework and with an appropriate grade. So. Um, when you get to that point, um, you would then kind of uh, apply for veterinary school. Can you remind me what you just said? I'm sorry, I went on a fun on tangent. There. Oh, it had to do with the interview uh, because, oh. yeah, Thank many you. people can apply to, you know, from high school to get into college and not have an interview. Uh, but for graduate programs, uh, it, there can be an interview, and for veterinarian programs, probably almost any at any veterinary school, I suppose that interview is part of it. Yeah, so that's that's what I was going to say. So the interview is is super important. Um, not all schools interview, so we we still do interviews at the University of Florida, um, but that's not the same for all vet schools across the country. And so there's. Uh, before you get to interview, though, there's a kind of process. And so you have to submit your application. 
And like I said, it's a very competitive process. We got almost 2,000 applications this year for vet school at the University of Florida, and our class size is 150 students. Wow. And so what you put in your packet really matters um, because how the, how it really works is that, like of those 2,000 applications, you have to, and this is why grades are important, you have to... Um, meet minimum academic requirements. And so we um, have like a minimum of a 3.0 and, but there's still a process where you get 2000 applicants and there's, um, we look at your science GPA, your last 45 uh, credit GPA and your overall GPA and that creates kind of a scoring system. And so you want to be at the top if possible. I know that's not possible for all people, and there's a lot of life factors that that can happen, right, that can affect your grades and and things. Um, But if you're at the top of that list, and the list changes every year because the applicant poll changes every year. So there's a committee of people that's made up of faculty at the University of Florida, and it's made up of external veterinarians in the state of Florida. Um, And your packet, as long as you meet the minimum academic requirements, um, and you're within that cohort of applicants that get what's called packet review, then two different veterinarians review your packet. Uh, and so one is a faculty member at UF and one is an external um, member of the committee because we want to, you know, get a broad perspective and we want um, at least two people to, to look at every application. And so your packet is scored. And so I think that's another reason to make sure your packet is well-organized, thoughtful, you pay attention to your essays. You make sure that you you have logged those experience and organized things before. You don't want to be thinking about this the night before that you have to hit submit on your application. You want it to be a cohesive uh, application and professionally done um, so that you'll kind of get a good score in that area. And based on the packet review score, then we go through and kind of look at the data again, and then we interview. So usually you have to apply, meet packet review, and then from packet review, be scored high enough that you are then offered an interview. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And here's where I want to ask a question, because I I certainly don't want folks who have not necessarily been straight A students to feel discouraged uh, about, Mm -hmm. from you know, be discouraged from applying to a veterinary school. Uh, because certainly people have all kinds of different interests and different experiences. And, you know, just because you ended up getting a C one semester in, uh, I don't know, in American history doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be a very good veterinarian. Uh, But I want to ask you if what percentage of accepted students into the program there at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine, what percentage were straight A students? Is it a a pretty high number? I don't know the percentage of who, I mean, I didn't see a ton of 4.0s. And I, this was my first year reviewing a lot of applications and looking at a lot of packets in the position I'm in. So I don't, I don't think it's super common to have a 4.0. I think it is like we, we publish our class statistics online. So um, our our admissions team is is fantastic about trying to be transparent with things. So you can go to education.vetmed.ufl.edu and look under admissions, and you'll see a bunch of statistics on our classes that are currently in school. So our first-year class right now, uh, their overall GPA at the time they were admitted was a 3.7. 
their science GPA was a 3.63, and then their last 45 GPA was a 3.76. Mm-hmm. If you compare that with our seniors who are about to graduate, um, sorry, that one's in a different format. Oh, I can't find that one readily. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, it's, it's not in the same format, but yeah. I think that's probably around average. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it depends on the applicant pool every year. So Right. Now, that is a, that's a solid GPA, though. 3.7 is nothing to sneeze at. Anybody should be proud of that GPA. Uh, now, with, sure. with so many students applying, though, and so few spots, you all could choose almost any criteria to really scrutinize, and you'd still manage to find you know, 150 or, you know, people to accept because you're getting so many applications anyway, but you don't want to make it seem unattainable, right? To people who are considering it. It, There's, there's a balance there, right? That you've got to, that you've got to take and and you've got to, you've got to make this thing something that someone can really aspire to and hope to achieve. uh, But you also need to have high standards. Right, exactly. Like, I think grades are very important. I don't think, I I think that if you had a 4.0 and you had nothing else on your packet, I don't think that you would be any more likely to get into veterinary school than somebody that has a 3.5 and a, and a, a ton of other experience or a 3.3, three, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we try and take a holistic view of the admissions process. Uh, and, and grades aren't everything, but they do matter. Yeah. What about references and letters of reference, uh, are those really critical when it comes to applying to veterinary school? Yes. I think um, I, I think references, so you can have three to five. Um, I don't think, I'm not one of those people. If you, if you get five, that's fine with me. If you get three, that's fine with me. I don't look any more highly upon somebody that has five versus three. I think if you have three solid good at references, then, then that's, that's good. Um, I think like getting one from an academic reference is always um, somebody that says that, you know, you're a good student, that you kind of were in the top of your class or like you were asked really engaging questions. And it doesn't have to be in a veterinary course or a science course. It could be in anything just to kind of show that you um, really stood out in the class as a student that was committed and engaged with the material. Um, and then I think it is important to have references from a veterinarian and it doesn't have to be. Um, like it could be a veterinarian or somebody that is in charge of the lab where you're doing a research project, you know, um, it could be a veterinarian that you have worked with for a couple of years while you were an undergrad. It could be a veterinarian that you went on a trip with and only knew you for a couple of weeks. But if you think that they can provide you with a solid reference, um, then I, I think that that's more valuable than having three references that are non-veterinarians. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, I think that right here is where we should take another break. But I want to remind listeners that this is Animal Airwaves Live here on WUFT-FM. My guest today from the UF College of Veterinary Medicine is Dr. Ashley Allen Durant. So we're talking about the process of applying to and uh, being admitted to veterinary school. We'll be back with more right after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Animal Airwaves Live here on WUFTFM. I'm Dana Hill. My guest today from the UF College of Veterinary Medicine is Dr. Ashley Allen Durance. And we're talking about how to get into veterinary school. And of course, Dr. Allen Durance is talking 
a lot of specifics about the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine and, and being accepted into that school. But many of these, uh, many of much of this advice, I think, could probably be applied to other veterinary schools wherever one may hope to apply. Uh, do you know whether or not people who apply to the University of Florida frequently apply to just one veterinary school or are students who are hoping to become veterinarians applying to multiple veterinary schools? I think most most students apply to multiple veterinary schools um, to just increase their chances of getting in that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the the interview a little bit more, because this is mm-hmm. something that I, I find uh, intriguing. And this is where I think it's probably make or break for a lot of people. I suspect, I'm just guessing here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there may be plenty of people who on paper seem to have the good grades. They've got some pretty decent you know, letters of recommendation. Maybe a, a professor has said, oh, this person... Uh, you know, did a great presentation in class or this person, you know, asked good questions or what have you. Uh, Maybe, you know, uh, references from people who have seen uh, the applicants, um, you know, uh, let's say uh, determination or uh, initiative in a professional atmosphere. And yet I suspect that you can have a lot of that and be sunk by a bad interview Am I am I off there? No, you're absolutely right, and I mean that's that's true in life too, right? Um, mm-hmm. For everybody out there in in the workforce, so like you have to be able to communicate, uh, which is why communication is so valuable in, in any field you're going into. But it's certainly valuable in the um, admissions process for schools that are interviewing, because the goal of interviewing somebody, right, is to try and find the person that can communicate well has a working knowledge of the profession is able to answer tough questions sometimes and kind of communicate their needs um, when you're talking to somebody if they need another minute to answer a question and so I think um, that's important for all schools that interview and and like I said not all schools interview and some of them do them in in different types but uh, you can have some applications that are fantastic on paper and their score is lower after the interview because of various reasons. And then the flip side is true where you can be have a score that's a little bit in the middle or lower side and then you had such a great interview um, that you've kind of moved up in the in the process. So Yeah. So you y'all don't assign any specific weight to the interview. That isn't that that is to say, uh, is it like say fifty percent or seventy five percent, or is it not able to be kind of um, calculated that way? Oh no, we we assign weight to the to the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some it's usually it kind of varies, but um, it's usually somewhere between thirty and forty five percent. Oh okay. Now here's where mm-hmm. uh, I, I you don't have to reveal any trade secrets if you don't want to, but let's say that I'm an applicant and I, and I have all of the qualifications on paper that are that y'all are looking for and I have had you know ample experience working with animals in some way shape or form what are the kind of questions that you might ask me um those are, yeah that's a good question I think a lot of times we're interested in why you went this path um, I'm going to correct myself really quick because it's published online for us. Uh, although it has changed a little bit over time the weight of the interview is 30 percent and we like I said we publish all of this stuff. We try and be as transparent as possible um, on online. So, yeah, that's great. Um, 
I think that um, there are certainly questions about why you chose this as your field. They were also trying to get a sense for, do you know what you're getting into, you know? Um, and that's where some experience and background in the profession or something related to the profession, because I think a lot of people come in with a research interest, right? Or they have a background in research and they decided they wanted to go to vet school. Well, that's still super valuable as well. They might not be as well-versed in the animal side of things, but um, on the research side of things, they might have a, a lot to add to the conversation. So looking for why you want to do this, I think we're also, like, I would do yourself a favor and do a quick Google search uh, before you interview on just current topics in veterinary medicine. Um, and just scroll through some news stories or some, I mean, it's so easy. Everything is at our fingertips these days. Um, just kind of big issues within the profession because people are typically going to ask um, not you to solve a problem in the profession, but, you know, kind of your take and your outlook, and, and that shows whether or not you really kind of know what's going on within the profession. Um, I think, like I said, we're always looking for people that have leadership and team building skills and great communication skills, so there um, might be questions related to that. Um, and, yeah, I think that's probably as much as I can I can divulge. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Now, uh Something that I wonder, you mentioned that a question you might ask is, do you know what you're getting into or something to that effect? Uh, and mm -hmm. this is, this I think is a very, uh, it's a very compelling question. And I'll tell you why, because graduate programs, of just probably, probably just about any kind are challenging. The coursework can be very difficult. The time commitment can be extraordinary. And the length of time it takes to do a graduate program is considerable. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a sizable mm -hmm. chunk of one's life, especially, you know, for somebody who's maybe coming out of college and is like 22 or 23 years old. Well, you know, a commitment of however many years, uh, but that's a, that's a good chunk of time. I can recall, and I did not go to veterinary school, listeners of this program will have long ago figured out, uh, but I did go into a, a graduate program, and I had an advisor who who said something to me that was was just wonderful advice. And at the time, I was considering doing the the PhD in that program, and he said, if you can think if you can imagine yourself doing any other job, don't get a PhD in this in this field. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was such good advice. And, and what he was hinting at there was just the kind of struggle that it takes to do this versus the kind of difficulty one will have getting a career going once you have this degree that takes a long time. Now, it's certainly different in veterinary schools because – Veterinarian uh, is a profession. Being a veterinarian is a profession that is in demand just about everywhere. So the prospects of getting good work following veterinary school are way better than probably getting uh, professional work in, say, history when one is done. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, you do need to gauge whether or not somebody has that kind of um, perseverance or stick-to-itiveness or whatever you want to call it, uh, the kind of will to to see it through to the end. Uh, you can't have somebody who is going to be cavalier about it. Right. Yeah. I love Angela Duckworth and her book, Grit. And I think that it's 
that's why I want people to explore, kind of explore who they are before they, they commit to vet school. Uh, make sure that you know that's what you want out of your life. Uh, it is a huge commitment. It's four years. It's expensive. I think having a thought about financial debt and return on investment of your degree and all of those things are valuable to think of before the day you start veterinary school and to kind of pre-plan on some of those things. But I, I once once you're accepted, we, we really want you to get through and finish. I mean, that's the kind of the purpose, right, is that's what the admissions committee is tasked with, is finding great applicants that we believe will uh, go out there and, and help fill a need profession. And so we want people who um, have the academic capability to do so, but also the, the drive to do so. And he, here at the end of the program, I don't want to give short shrift to maybe non-traditional students, folks who maybe have, uh, you know, looked at something else, uh, but, you know, realized all along that they probably should have done the thing that they most loved all and wish they should have, you know, maybe maybe they wanted to do it all along and they just did something else. Um, are, is there any hope for them? Oh, there, there certainly is. And I think that sometimes they're some of my favorite students because they just have such a different background. I mean, one of my best friends was a high school teacher for uh, 12 years and then she went to vet school. She was in my class and I just kind of pulled up our, our class statistics again. And there's I mean, just looking at this list of what people did before vet school, there was a Patty Dive Master, somebody who was a freelance writer, uh, a field electrician assistant, a Disney character performer. So I think it's not super common to have a ton of students enrolled that are on their second career, but there's certainly enough of them that I would I would say that there's you shouldn't not have hope that you can get in if this is a second career for you. Now, at the University of Florida, when are applications due? So the applications, you go, everybody, everybody goes through VIMCIS. So VIMCIS is the Veterinary veterinary medicine, Medical College Application System. It's a, and that's how every veterinary school gets their applications. So it's a portal that all students in the United States use to apply for veterinary school. So we typically, like that's, I think they're open right now. They're either open right now or they open on the 15th of April. I was trying to find the timeline and I couldn't. Um, so a lot of people are getting their applications ready right now and um, organizing everything. They are due usually sometime in, I think, September. I don't know these, deadline, these deadlines as well since I'm new in this role. Um, but I want to say that their final due date is sometime in September, and then that's when we are able to start going through and looking at packets and doing packet review and the committee work that we do at the college. Well, this is an important conversation to have, and I am always fascinated by not just the profession of veterinary medicine, but what it takes to become a veterinarian. I just think it's it's so interesting. And those of people who are really thinking about this uh, have a lot to consider, uh, and I hope that this conversation was helpful to them. Uh, Dr. Ashley Allen Durant from the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine, thank you so much for talking to me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I want to say thank you as well to Sarah Carey over at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine for her help with the program and to you all for listening. I'm Dana Hill, and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode of Animal Airwaves Live. Bye-bye. Thank you.